Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain it, what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. Alright Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello everybody, welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 323, coming to you on Monday, August 5th. We're going to talk about the latest in USC football, including the beginning of fall camp. The season is finally sort of here. Uh, We're going to get into all of the happenings of the first couple of days. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address for any ad inquiries or questions to our mailbag is Reign of Troy at fansided.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1-USC. Suck it, What's Bruin Show. Yeah. I'm your host, Mike Garcia, joined along with my co-host, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We are in the Reign of Troy studios. Yeah, we are. Reign of Troy studio, I guess. Studio. Yeah, I think studio. It's a singular room. Yeah. It, this is this is awesome. Uh, we talked about it in our Takes with Jake episode. It is super cool to have a place for the pod that is for the pod. Yes. A a recording place that we're going to be able to go to after games to do car casts in more positive uh, location than, uh, than the random dark parking lots. Yeah. That we normally do it in. Not that we've ever been shanked, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's super nice. It's come together really, really quickly, really, really randomly and really, really well. So I'm pleased. Yeah, we shared some pictures on Twitter. Uh, go check that out at Reign of Troy on Twitter. It, it's super, super nifty. We're happy about it, and we hope that you guys benefit from it from listening to us. Uh, maybe with a little clearer, I guess. Maybe I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know if it's going to be totally clear or anything. I mean, we literally have the same equipment as we've always always sure, used. But we, we've. I mean, okay. I think the episodes might be a little bit more lively, if that makes sense. We've always talked about it that our episodes tend to be better if we're in the same room. Yes. Well, and I'm hoping that maybe our car cast will be a little bit easier to record when we're actually facing each other instead of like right. sitting next to each other in There's a car. There's nothing weirder than being in a car. And talking to the person in the other seat, and like you're like turning but your head, a, but, but you're not you're holding a microphone that you can't actually yeah. like move that much, so you sort of have to keep your head where it is, and you don't want to strain your neck by turning, and you're already straining your arm by having like you literally we literally cannot move our hands when we're holding the microphone because it makes noises, right? <laughs> so like we'll finish recording and then you like release your arm, your elbow and hand and fists are just totally cramped, and yeah, the whole situation with the car cast was not ideal, so. Yeah. That is what I'm looking forward to the most with this uh, with this new studio space. Yeah, and now we have you know mic stands in here, so it, it it's great. It's it's a good time. So anytime I'm in California, we'll be able to do a uh, recording here in the Reign of Troy Radio Studio. Uh, but you'll be doing a lot of re- recording in the Reign of Troy Radio Studio because you do all of your Patreon stuff here. Uh, well, not all of it. We with, do a lot of it. Like, with the exception of the ones that I do in a That car. you actually do in a car, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Fall Camp is here. Tell everybody at home what they're missing out on if they're not subscribed to our Patreon. Yeah, so every day, immediately after practice, the first thing I do is go back to my car and record a practice car cast, which is a 20 to 30 minute rundown of everything that happened out on the practice field, who stood out, what were the big highlights of the day, what were the big talking points. And I just sort of run through it right away, and that goes up uh, immediately after practice. And then also what I've started to do is another show called Inside the Scrum, which is where I take all of the interviews that I was uh, that, that I do out on the practice field and throw them in uh, to another episode where you hear directly from the players and the coaches that I get that I get the chance to uh, to hear from after the practices that they're made available for. So you get my observations of practice, you get uh, the direct line of 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 thinking and, and observations and and comments and statements from uh, the players themselves and the coaches themselves, which gives you sort of the whole the whole picture of what uh, what's going on in practice and what's going on around the program. So yeah, I think I think those things are are quite good uh, personally. Not not to brag, but uh, I think they they uh, do a, a pretty good job of keeping you up to date with everything going on around USC. So check them out. Yeah, and we've been putting so much content up on uh, on Patreon. In, know, in the last nine days, we've posted 10 episodes. Uh, and if you go before that, uh, on like the five, the, the uh, what would it be, like the the, the last 15 days, there, there's something like, I think, 14 in 15 days or something like that. What's crazy to me is that I started doing the practice car casts at the start of last season, more or less, in fall camp last season. And I've already done 66 of them. That's a lot. 66 of them. That's a, and that's with a whole, you know, another 25 that are coming up before the start of this season. So 66 episodes that have no me for all the people that hate me. It's great. <laughs> it's all me. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if you get annoyed with me, then, uh, yeah, maybe the car, practice car casts aren't, uh, aren't for you, but the, yeah, the little snippets and I think they're, they're pretty good. Patreon.com slash Rain of Troy is where you can subscribe and get all of our bonus content for as little as five fifty five a month. For 10 bucks, you get to join our Slack channel in which we're always talking about USC football. It's only going to be more so during the season. You're going to hear when, 
you know, people ask ask us questions. Uh, we're always talking to uh, our little rot crew about when we should do another meetup, where we should do a meetup. Uh, it's a nice little community that we've built. Like it's, Virginia? It's, yeah, like Virginia. One of these days we're going to do a meetup in Virginia. We, really, it's SC's fault for not scheduling a game in Virginia. Pretty much. When it happens, it'll happen. Yeah, there's FCS teams in Virginia. Like, SC could go play Richmond. Go. What are they doing? I mean, yeah, got, got to get that FCS action going on now. Yeah, SC dropping the ball. Dropping the ball. Taking away a, a meetup from our from our pal, uh, Top Trojan fan in Virginia. But uh, let's get into this episode. We'll start with the news and then talk about fall camp uh, and finish up with the mailbag. So we'll be right back. Alicia, before we really get into fall camp, I want to talk about some recruiting stuff. Namely, two five stars are not considering USC, uh, at least for now. Uh, they have eliminated USC from contention. Five-star linebacker Justin Flo named his top four on Friday, and no USC. There was Clemson, Oregon, Georgia, and Miami. Uh, the Trojans are not in there. Neither is Alabama, and I know people had kind of floated Alabama in there as well, too, but... They don't make the top four. Um, this is an interesting situation because he was someone, I think SC fans always thought that they'd be in, in the mix too for the end, but they're not as of right now. Uh, and then there's five-star running back, uh, B. John Robinson from Tucson, Arizona, who has committed to Texas over USC. Two five-stars, no USC. Uh, we've talked about it before, Alicia. SC's recruiting issues... Um, it, it all stems from not getting the guys that you really, really want. And that kind of, it's kind of what happens when, when you struggle uh, and go five and seven. Well, when your coaching staff is on the hot seat, then yeah, it's going to be hard to keep the attention of the really elite national recruits, but that's what USC needs to be able to do. USC should be in for those recruits, especially like Bijan Robinson, USC just tried to do a hail Mary with him on, on his official visit and, you know, that one is is less of an issue than Justin Flo. Justin Flo is the number three player in the 24-7 sports composite for this year. He's a, a five-star. He's the, you know, cream of the crop when it comes to linebackers. And he's from Upland, California. He's local and not being in the running for USC was the crystal ball favorite for him forever in the early part of his of his recruitment. And USC losing um, out on being in his top four. Not just losing out on his commitment, but not even making it into his top four is a very problematic thing, especially because like, so I get the idea that, okay, you, you went five and seven, your coaching staff is on the, is on the rocks. There's a lot of players who maybe will reconsider USC if things go right for them in 2019. That I, that I think is totally fair, but USC is now at the point where you're asking players who have already taken you out of contention. That means that you were behind Oregon, Clemson, Georgia, Miami. So if USC gets thrown back into contention, it won't be in the, you know, considering them against, you know, one or two other teams, but you're the odd man looking out already in that. If if it was a situation where Justin Flo was looking at it thinking, you know what, USC's probably, you know, wait and see, but keep them in my top five, then it would be a lot uh, less concerning of a situation than him taking USC more or less out of consideration until the winning starts. That means that you're not 
it's basically more or less it's a vote of no confidence. Yeah. And the, the early you know, Sinai period makes it really difficult because you got to get better fast. Um, and But the other thing is true, too. Like, what if SC ends up making the coaching change and because the season didn't go well and you bring in a coach who could, in theory, recruit Justin Flo? Like, let's say they do make the, the home run hire that people would want, whoever that is, right? And that that's going to rally recruits or could possibly, you don't really have the option because of the, the early signing day period, which means you have to be in the mix for Justin flow at some point to have SC on the forefront of his mind. And when you're not there, that's that, that hurts. And it's, it's, it's crazy to think that came on Thibodeau and Justin flow, two extremely elite recruits, Top five guys in the country, pretty much unanimously in any service, local SoCal guys in the last two recruiting classes. And there's a serious possibility that SC not only misses on both of them, uh, and it looks like they're going to miss on both of them, but that potentially they both could go to Oregon. How, like, how do you, how do you get through this? It's one thing, you know, B. John Robinson being an out of state kid going to Texas is one thing, but to lose a local kid to a conference rival is a problem. You yeah. you can lose a, a local kid to, to Clemson, Clemson, DJ Ugulele, you, you can lose him to Clemson as long as you still bring in Bryce Young, right? Yeah. And, and at that point, you're just picking between two five stars. But to lose Justin Flo in the conference uh, and miss out on a guy that you wanted, that's the problem. Well, and it's also it gets back to, you know, we pointed out last year how USC was recruiting in terms of the top players in California. They were clearly losing their their mark. Uh, USC didn't have any of the top five. Uh, wait, no, sorry. I'm looking at I'm pulling up the, the list um, when it came to the, the top five players in California. They did get Kyle Ford. But in the top 10 players in California, only Drake Jackson and Kyle Ford, you had players going to Oregon like Kevin Thibodeau and Mikel Wright. You had players going to ASU, Florida, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson. Um, in the top 20, USC wasn't very well rep, uh, rep, represented. They, they did sign Brew McCoy, to be fair. Okay, they did sign. They did ultimately sign Brew McCoy. So, you, so three of the top 20. But USC used to get three of the top five. Oh, yeah, for sure. USC used to, you know, and so this year, the concern now, because of that early signing period. And they did get Chris Steele, by the way. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. Okay. Either way, but you didn't, you, 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 did, you, you didn't, didn't get recruited. Chris Steele by you, December. You can count Brew McCoy. You a, can't count Chris Steele weird, if you want to talk about recruiting. A weird twist of fate. Randomness turned that around. But you look at right. this, you look at this, uh, the, this year's class, the, the California class. If if you're not in there for Justin Flo, then Bryce Young is the only player in the top ten that USC is even sort of really involved with. Uh, you know, Gary Bryant Jr. is a potential, but you see, got Clemson, Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, Washington commits in that top ten. Washington, Miles Moreau, Miles Moreau, who was considered a, a potential guy that USC was going to have an in for at Modern Day, ends up committing to to Washington. Um, you're running out of players who are available for you to recruit when you get to a stage where the 2018, the 2019 season has gone well, you're in a position of strength, but now you're talking about having to flip 
players in the top 20 of California, which how many flips are you actually going to do if everything goes right? Right. It, it, it the, the, you are not set up for a whole load of, of, of things, especially because you only have a couple of weeks of recruiting to get it done from, for most of these guys in the past, when you could wait until when you had until February, you had a whole m- month or two to build relationships with people and get them more comfortable with you and, and all of that. And to convince them that what happened in in the fall really did matter. But that, that the shrinking of that time period is problem. Yeah. And you know, you can look back to, you know, three years ago after the 2016 season, when SC beats Washington, uh, they go to the Rose bowl and all that stuff. And they use that momentum to flip Marlon Tuipiloto, right? That should be a bonus. That That's a luxury item. And now SC is in the in the situation where that's what they need to happen, uh, which is very difficult when the the timeline is much shorter uh, with with the early signing period because then you're asking those guys like Justin Flo um, to not and you know Miles Morale if you want to throw him in there too to not sign in December and that's a big ask, big ask considering how we've seen everyone start to sign in December. So it gets tough for USC here. Uh, this is a problem. Uh, like we've said mul- multiple times before, um, the three stars are only necessarily a problem because you're not bringing in the five guys, five star guys. And so when you're not bringing in the five star guys, it really compounds the issue of having so many three stars. And um, it's not good. Not good for you. Yeah, and, th- and that's the big thing is, you know, I, some people have said that, you know, the response to this has been overly negative. Like, no, this is the correct response. When you miss out on a five-star guy like Justin Flo, you're not being overly negative. When you're freaking out about three-star guys committing, I think everything has to come in context. The context of the three stars committing on top of not being in the running for Justin Flo, on top of missing out on commitments from Bijan Robinson and Miles Moreau and all of these other top players now you're building a portfolio of negative recruiting stuff that isn't that wasn't backed up, you know, a couple months ago when we were saying, hey, cool your role. We need to see how this progresses. Well, we've seen now how it progresses. It's, it hasn't gone well. Right. Well, the the other thing is SC just needs to win. They need well, to get back yeah. on the field. And this has been the longest offseason. So how are how do you recruit these guys? You just win. Win games. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's uh, the unfortunate they're thing. They're going to have to do. The unfortunate thing is I do feel for USC's recruiting staff. Like I don't. I don't necessarily think that this is a failure of USC's recruiting staff. I think this is a failure of where USC is as a program right now. Right. This is the consequence of going five well, and seven. Well, I mean, Gavin Gavin Morris is pretty proven. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and but, SC but, recruits itself to a huge degree. So, but if Justin Flo is looking at looking at Clemson and Georgia and thinking I want to compete for a national title, it's and, hard to to it, make up reasons of why you should stay home and go to USC. One hundred percent. Uh, when SC's five and seven, you can't do. It, you, you don't have many legs to stand. We on. can sit here because we grew up watching USC football, and say of all these reasons, uh, and and yeah, for a lot of the local kids like Justin Flo who who did the same thing, maybe you can have those reasons. But when you have the the chance of actually playing the playoff and for a national title just dangling in front of you, it's pretty easy not to look at USC. So SC needs to get better on the field first and foremost. You do that, the recruiting will get better. And you won't be in these predicaments. It's just going to be really tough for this class given the short time frame. Uh, so until then, that's going to be a problem. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come right back and talk about fall camp. 
uh, and get into all of that. USC opened up on Friday. A lot of takeaways, a lot of early ideas uh, that uh, you have, Alicia, that you saw from the first two days. So we'll be right back. All right, let's get into fall camp. Fall camp, not training camp, not summer camp. Fall camp, which opened up on Friday. Uh, it, it's been warm. It's been perfect time for football. Alicia, what's it been like being back on uh, Howard Jones Field? Uh, it was good. I mean, it's been it's been hot for sure. There's sort of getting back into getting back into the the rhythm and flow of being at practice, remembering to put on the sunscreen, uh, remember you know making sure you have enough water, all that kind of stuff. But it's there's it's always there's like a the smell of the grass and the feel of the air, sunshine, and just the 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 noise of practice. It's it's great. Like just the ambi- the 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 ambiance of it all is is really nice to be back around the smell of the grass you think that that's you know weird but it's not like the first time i ever got on the field uh with the media pass all i could think of was wow the smell is really strong yeah like and and not just the practice field but at the coliseum the same thing like the the smell of the grass is incredibly strong uh that's because they're always cutting it to, to keep it short but also, you got guys running on it, breaking off pieces of grass, so you have that that uh, that grass smell, and it's it's intoxicating when yeah. you when you put that next to uh, next to live football. Yeah, you just start to associate it with the football, with uh, with the action, and so yeah, it's one of those like triggering smells that like makes me happy. Even though there's a lot of things about practice that are kind of miserable, like it's it is very hot. You're out standing there for a long time. Uh, it's it's not the most comfortable thing. I'm not quite to the point of like getting a chair to like bringing a folding chair with me to sit down on. But there are a couple of the uh, of the older guys that, that do that. And I always look at them going like, I should just suck it up and bring the dang chair because it would be so much more comfortable. But, you know, I ended up uh, sitting on the grass on, on Saturday. So that was nice. There you go. Uh, let, let's talk about guys who are not necessarily participating and sitting on the grass themselves. Uh, Brew McCoy, someone who USC signed uh, back in the last class in 2019, uh, then immediately left to Texas, spent spring and all of spring ball uh, in Austin, and then finally is here on campus for USC. You want to see him in fall camp, and he hasn't been out there. Yeah, so apparently he's dealing with some sort of illness He's seen specialists and they have him on this uh, round of antibiotics that they're hoping will clear up the fever that he's had for a while. Uh, but Clay Hilton didn't really have a timetable for him to, to get back. It just sounds like they're going to need to wait and see until he gets cleared by the medical staff to go out and practice. He has reported for camp, according to Clay Hilton. So I don't think that it's anything that uh, you need to worry about him not ultimately enrolling at USC. But it just it is a bummer because we are seeing so much from the young guys like Chris Steele, Muneer McLean, Drake London, all of those uh, that that it would be nice to see uh, Brew McCoy out there as well, but it's just going to have to wait. I I don't want to sound the panic horns. But it's not very comforting, right? Like, it sounds scary to me. Yeah. And, and mostly because I'm the dumbass who, like, searched, what if I have a fever on WebMD? Oh, yeah, you mean you found out you're dying, like everything oh, like, else? It's all terrifying, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't sound good. 
uh, hopefully they're able to to figure something out and it ends up being something that they can, you know, obviously get through and he can get healthy and on the field as soon as possible for USC, which we can just repeat the same exact thing for Solomon Tuliapupu, who I, I feel like I've heard you say this. I've heard our friends over at uscfootball.com say this. Solomon Tuliapupu is will be talked about when he's on the field. Because I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, his foot is still sore uh, and being re- rehabbed. There's no timetable on his return. He did have a couple of spring practices in which he looked really good in, but it's just complete wait and see at this point. Yeah, I don't want to sound any alarm bells over here, but when Clay Helton talks about Solomon Tuliapupu's progress, or lack of it, it sounds a lot like the conversations we were having last year about when is Daniel Baby coming back? You know, he's just got this soreness that he's dealing with, and they're still going through rehab, and we'll know when we know. Like, I got the soundboard here, and um, I, I feel like we can't play it anymore. <laughs> I mean, that drop, uh, we need to find a, a solo low, solo low kind of... <laughs> Drop whatever, whatever it is. It's a really like the worst part hey, so about low. it. Hey, so low. Hey, so low. Hey, so low. Which actually is a nice little pun. Hey, so low. Hey, oh, so hey, so low. low. Yeah, there, there you go. Uh, but it, it's, um, it's an, it's, it's the worst part about it is that he was so good in that, in those couple of practices that he practiced in the first week of spring camp. He was so bright and so active that it just highlights even more how much it would be nice to be able to see him out there at inside linebacker for USC. But I have literally, outside of those two days of practice in the spring, I've never seen him wear cleats. It's just, he's just been in sneakers the whole time. So until I see him in cleats out there running, like that's the other thing is Ethan Ray, Kyle Ford, two other freshmen that are that have come in who uh, are coming in off of knee surgeries, going through rehab, they're out on the practice field running with a trainer. That tells you that they've made progress. Solomon Tulipupu, we haven't seen him run since, you know, that first day of spring. It's It's been a long, long time since he's been out there even working with a trainer. So the, just the signs are not – they're not very encouraging. It would be much more encouraging if, if he was doing something. But, like, until we see him doing that, like, I can't even he, – he's at least two, three weeks out. Until we see him doing that, which means he's not even close to getting back out there. Yeah, it's it's not not encouraging in the the slightest. Um, I I do now need to know your take on the whole sneakers versus tennis shoes debate. Uh, are you are you a sneakers person or a tennis shoes? person? I'm a tennis. Okay, you said sneakers. I there. did say sneakers. I use the term tennis shoes. Okay. Or like run it like running shoes or or whatever. Or my my dad would just say tennis. I view sneakers as more of like lifestyle shoes. Okay. Not athletic. Like like okay. so the the kind like a, like a like a sneakerhead would would yeah, have some some ex- exactly. fashionable Jordans. Exactly the ones that like you're not doing athletic pursuits with them you're wearing them for light like, i i get that i just don't like how we call things tennis shoes that have nothing to do with tennis yeah like i'm gonna wear my tennis shoes to the basketball game yeah sounds a little weird yeah sounds a little weird that's why and in terms of solomon tulia i would just say street shoes 
Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, that's, like, like you yeah. would say street clothes. Like he's yeah, not he's, he's not, in part- street. not participating. He's in street clothes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This I, is this is all clothes and not clothing, but that's a whole debate for another day. Uh, let's get back on topic here before we lose subscribers uh, and talk about Austin Jackson, uh, who was in street clothes last month because he had uh, the bone marrow donation with his sister, uh, but he's now back for USC, but not one hundred percent participating. Uh, what's the deal on Ajax? Yeah, so he had that that surgery, which he it was three hours of surgery that he underwent. He has three holes in his back. Wow. Where they, uh, yeah, it, apparently it was a very um, invasive kind of surgery compared to what it what it could have been. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he said it takes you know about a week uh, afterwards to get up, you know, and moving and and all of that. But they're gonna ease him back in over the next couple of weeks. Uh, which I guess makes sense because there, there, there wouldn't be a huge rush to get him back since he is one of the more settled offensive line guys out there. I don't think there's any doubt about what his role will be for USC going into the season. And it gives you a nice look at, at Drew Richmond, who's been taking the left tackle snaps in his place uh, with the first team. So that you can sort of get a real good evaluation of the tr- of the Tennessee transfer and see where he's going to fit in. Um, but Austin Jackson, I, I do think I understand the caution when you're dealing with somebody who just had surgery. I always talk about how back injuries make me really nervous as far as guys getting back. Well, this isn't a back injury, but it was back surgery. It was something that, you know, that that they're messing around with the sort of muscles down there that uh, you definitely don't want to strain anything too quickly, come back too quickly. So that makes sense that they're going to let him uh, let him slow play it, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on, especially as the battle that we're all looking forward to, uh, Drew Richmond against uh, Jalen McKenzie, should become a thing over at right tackle. Uh, let's talk about JJ3, John Jackson the third, um, someone who, you know, he, he gray-shirted last year. He comes into USC now. I think people are expecting uh, big things out of him, someone who can get in the rotation pretty quickly here. Uh, he had a good spring. And yet, day one, he ends up going down. Yeah, it's unfortunate, too, because it was a long pass that he caught. He, he Basically, it was a touchdown, and somewhere along the way, he tweaked his, his hamstring and had to be attended to by trainers. And on Saturday, Helton said that it was a mild hamstring and that they're just sort of keeping him out for precautionary reasons, which makes sense because hamstrings are those notorious injuries where if you try to come back too quickly from them, you're going to make it worse. So I'm kind of expecting him to be out for at least a week, which is unfortunate because, like you said, he was going to have an opportunity to really put himself up there in in that running back, sorry, in that wide receiver rotation. And it was interesting on Saturday. Helton talked about how, uh, in order to run the offense that they want to that they want to run, in order to be able to use ten personnel, so going empty backfield, which we have seen in practice so far, uh, they need to have eight receivers available and ready to go you know, from, from that moment. Um, so if you think about who are the eight receivers that USC has, USC has Tyler Vons, Michael Pittman, um, Amon Ross St. Brown, Bayless Jones, Devin Williams, and no one else is really established. So there's a solid three, four spots in there of guys that they're looking, they're going to try and fill those spots of, of people who will be con- contributing. And John Jackson was going to get his shot and being a week late coming out, means that that's a week of, of action that Munir McLean and Drake, Drake London and, um, you know, other guys are going to 
get to to try and establish themselves as good options in there. So uh, yeah, it's, it was unfortunate to see him go down like that, especially because it, it was the thing that Josh Bebe did last year where he catches this long touchdown and then his ankle's dead because he gets tackled from behind. Right. Like those are always the ones that really hurt because it should be a moment of joy. And instead it's like, oh, no. It's like when a baseball player gets hurt on the uh, the, the celebration from a walk-off. Yeah. <laughs> the the Kendry's Morales. Like, uh, ouch. Curse. Yeah. Yes. Uh, not, not, not fun for USC. Uh, hopefully he can get back soon for the Trojans. Uh, let's talk about takeaways from the first couple of days. What have you liked to see so far? I think the, the best thing about fall camp, it has been the presence of defensive backs, being able to see a big line of defensive backs, being able to see bodies because in the spring, legitimately, there were, you know, at times when there were four, maybe five available. And on Saturday, I counted 19. So it's exponentially grown in terms of the number number of bodies that they have available and able to practice. Talano Hafanga being out there and making plays has been a huge deal. Elijah Griffin being out there and making plays. He's had three interceptions in the first two days of practice, making plays, playing fearlessly, both of them, despite coming back from injuries that are naggy, you know, Elijah Griffin had shoulder on both, had surgery on both shoulders. Talano Hufanga twice broke his collarbone, but both of them are out there playing as though they haven't missed a beat, which is very, very um, comforting on top of being able to to look and see a three deep uh, in in that position group. Um, that's That's been very, you know, it, it gives you a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith that they're going to be able to stand on their own two feet there with the DBs uh, in the fall. I just keep going back to what we were talking about in our previews over on Patreon. And even in last week's episode, SC is going to have more depth in, in the secondary. It's just a matter of trying to filter that out. And yeah, at, at some point there's going to be players that, that race the top that, you know, um, are going to be proven because they've had to go through so many players that it just might take a while. Uh, if that ends up being, a thing that happens sooner than than later that that's obviously a boon for USC given how much importance there is in the secondary to replace so many starters like Biggie and Ajene and Marvell and I, Isaiah Langley and Lockett all those guys yeah it's it's a huge task uh, replacing them and USC has very limited options as far as doing that, but it certainly looks better than it did in the spring. It certainly looks more uh, – they look more capable than they did in the spring as far as as far as far being able to have Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Pulamau out there, being able to have Talano Hufanga out there, being able to have – Isaac Taylor Stewart has had a really good start to camp too, which was, which was very important I think because he had a good spring and I wanted to see him continue uh, to, to go ahead and – build on top of that and I think he's had a good start to camp as well so you can see the guys that USC has that makes you think you know what if if all goes well here then then things are going to work out it's just that they need to continue to establish themselves and that's that's what fall camp is all about yeah you, you talk about you know it's different from the spring I think that's been the big question about the quarterbacks um they need to be better than they were in the spring uh, not that they were bad in the spring, but it was mostly a you know feeling out period with the new scheme. So you wanted them to kind of get their feet under them, and then in fall camp really start to take you know big leaps forward. 
How has it been for the quarterbacks thus far so early? I don't know what I want from the quarterbacks. I don't know what I what will satisfy me about the quarterbacks, but I, I just feel unsatisfied after two after two practices. And I think part of it is I want something to change. I want somebody to to spark in a way that uh, that the, the, they haven't yet. And and through two days of practice, they that hasn't been the case. And I, like I don't know what I wish I, f- I wish I wish I knew exactly what I was looking for. I wish I knew what moment I would be able to have that that feeling that sense of that's the guy. And I'm comfortable with that. Where, like, I just remembered with Max Brown and Sam Darnold, I remember having a moment of thinking, like, that's the that's the guy. And what was nice about that quarterback battle is I had that moment of that's the guy, but also it doesn't matter to me who wins this because I'm confident that USC will be fine with either one of them. And um, with this this battle, I I couldn't tell you who the guy is. And while I think more than anything, I'm I I, I think that USC will be okay. With whoever ultimately wins it, like, I can't tell you for certain that whoever gets that job is going to to 100% thrive because there's still too much inconsistency. There's still too many moments where I'm just not sure exactly how well they fit with this offense. And I, I kind of – I'm just still waiting for the for the light to turn on for all of them or for one of them for the light to turn on and suddenly – they're there but i don't know if that's being unreasonable like uh, well it, it's early it's two days right yeah and it the defense feels... is always ahead of the quarterback so how much of it is that how much of it is the defense always being ahead of the offense early on in camp well and this is the conversation that i had with keely of uscfootball.com it, it was like well you know the quarterbacks haven't been very good the offense hasn't looked particularly great but then is it just that the defense is like is it that the DBs had a really good day on Saturday. You know, I thought Telano Hofanga, Elijah Griffin, Isaac Taylor Stewart, Chris Steele, they were all making out there making plays. And when that's happening, then obviously your quarterbacks aren't going to have their best day. Uh, so maybe it's just that sort of zero-sum nature of practice that is making – that is obscuring things. But it's hard to know how much of it is the DBs and the, the, the defense and how much of it is the quarterbacks themselves. It, it, separating that out is tough but I, I I still look at it and I want to see something sp- I, I want it to not look like the exact same battle that it looked like in the spring in the in the sense of people progressing instead of you know JT Daniels is good and bad the same quarterback that I saw in the spring Jack Sears good and bad is the same quarterback as I saw in spring Matt Fink and Keaton Slovis they're they're literally where they were this time in in the spring. So again, I don't know if I'm being unreasonable. I don't know if I'm asking too much. I don't know if I'm expecting too much or expecting something that's impossible to see in practice. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for those things. I think it's unreasonable to come to a judgment after two practices. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Especially when there hasn't been full pads yet. There hasn't been scrimmaging yet. You know, it's, I I think you're, you're, you're going to have more of a sense of it, you know, after these next few days, particularly, a week from now, after yeah. the after the first scrimmage on on Saturday, which I think leads us into us talking about our podcast schedule this this month. I probably should have mentioned this early on. So USC's off days are Fridays and Sundays. Uh, they've put the schedule very similar to what it will be like during the season, where USC's off days are Fridays and Sundays. Uh, they have walkthroughs on those days. 
Um, but it those are the non-strenuous days during the season anyways, right? So it kind of fits into the same thing. So what we're going to do for the podcast is record on Sundays uh, and drop them on Monday mornings um, the, in August until we get to game week, uh, which will be that last week of August going into Fresno State. So every, every Saturday is going to be a scrimmage uh, and we'll be able to you know, really talk about it. The first Saturday, which was uh, the third, did not have a scrimmage. So we'll be able to see more uh, after next week. And then after that is the fall showcase, the end of fall camp, which is only two weeks, three weekends, but two weeks. Um, let, let's get into things that you didn't necessarily expect. Um, because I would say that you didn't necessarily expect the quarterbacks to look exactly the same uh, through two days as they did in the spring. Who has stood out to you that you didn't expect or maybe, you know, not stood out to you or, or, or whatnot? Yeah, the, the the player who I didn't expect to stand out the way that he has is Munir McLean, the freshman wide receiver who came in. Um, he was the lowest ranked of the wide receivers coming in in terms of recruiting rankings. And, you know, I think he was the least interesting of them. No, no, no like I'm not trying to to peg him as uninteresting. But when you look at Kyle Ford's this this. Um, you know, f- was a five-star receiver who sort of tore up the camp scene, but then he had his uh, tore up his knee, and then the big question was, is he going to be ready to go by fall camp? Um, you look at Drake London; he's this two-sport star who's recruited as a fo- as a basketball recruit as well as a football uh, signee, and so you have this intrigue of like, well, Drake Drake London, what's his best sport? All of that, right. um, Brew McCoy, the uh, transfer saga of the century, and all of this kind of well, stuff. Mooney McLean's notability so far has been that he's related to his brother. Yeah, right? Right? yeah, like, exactly. And then, yeah, that's not to take away anything from him, but it, it's nice to it's nice to now be able to think of him as. Oh. A football player himself on right? his own. Yes. Yeah. Standing on his own. And he was out there on the first two days of practice, particularly the first day of practice, making catches that really caught my eye. I thought he used his body really well. I thought he moves really well. Um, I was sort of expecting, you know, he's this bigger six foot four kind of 200 and some odd pound uh, receiver. And so I expected him to be a little bit more lumbering than he is. He's actually got some nice fluidity about him. And uh, I think it's a I think he gave a, he's given a very good account of himself through the first two days of practice to show, you know what, he might actually be one of those guys who really is in contention to be part of that eight that USC has ready to go if they need, if they need them. Uh, so that was very, you know, Drake London had a couple nice moments too, but Munir McLean was the one that really stood out to me on, uh, particularly on Friday, just uh, sort of eye opening, like, Oh, there, there he goes. And Clay Hilton had some nice things to say about both him and uh, Drake London, in terms of what USC saw in him when they were recruiting him, they really liked that he had a two-sport background. And, it, you know, he, one of the things that Clay Helton said was they felt like they had a good evaluation on him, regardless of what the recruiting rankings and stars said. They thought that they, they were going to get be able to get something real out of him. And, and he's showing that. He's showing that, you know, maybe maybe he has something more to prove because you do end up with these guys who are the brothers of current trojans or family members of current trojans and and you can't help but wonder is there some is there a bit of nepotism going on uh but maybe that's the kind of thing that Munir McLean knows he has to you know pr- prove that he is there on merit and not just the connections that he had to USC staff and through two days he's done nothing less than that he's he he really looks the part uh, for for a guy in his first two practices of college, 
he definitely looks the part. Looks like he fits into that receiving core beautifully. Yeah, you mentioned the eight that USC wants to use. Graham Harrell specifically has mentioned that. And we, we talked about it before that SC clearly has a top four. And that's primarily based on spring. The three guys that were, you know, starters last year, Tyler Vons, Michael Pittman, Amara St. Brown, plus Devin Williams, who really showed out in spring. Those are your top four guys. But also Valus Jones could be, you know, right there in that top four too. Um, it's really, it's a solid five, right? But when you get to number six, six is the biggest question mark. Who is number six? We talked about it last week. Who's going to be six, seven, and eight? Do you think there's a ranking of six, seven, and eight that develops? Or do you think it matters? Do you think that that eight is just going to be so interchangeable that there maybe isn't necessarily a first group and a second group? Or it's you're going to see maybe those top three guys like Vaughn's Pittman and St. Brown super often and everyone else beyond that is going to mix in pretty equally. How, how do you expect it? Or is this going to be something that we just won't know until the season starts? I think it. I think back to the way that it worked in 2018 where Devin Williams had his part to play in, you know, three or four games, but wasn't necessarily very active in other games. Valus Jones had his part to play in three or four games. Um, you, you sort of saw that mix of receivers so I think that's what's going to happen. I think USC is going to have their core three be the ones that are always on, uh, always involved and on the stat sheet. And then it's the other five that I think are going to take their turns where one game you're going to see Valus Jones and Devin Williams be the guys along with those other two. And maybe one game or two games you're going to see Munir McLean have his moment and you're going to see uh, Kyle Ford or, or Drake London or, or any one of those, John Jackson the third, any one of those guys have a, a, a be one of the top four receivers in a in a game. Uh, I think that's ultimately the way that it's going to play out because they are going to focus on getting the ball first and foremost to Pittman, Vons, and Amon Ross St. Brown. It's going to be hard enough to juggle those guys. I don't think you're going to see regularity in terms of contributions from anybody else. For sure, but I think if you continue to see growth in these guys and see guys like Manu McLean continue to step up, uh, they could absolutely force their way uh, into that. Um, Alicia, any final thoughts on on fall camp through the first few days? Uh, I know you've been putting a lot of effort into uh, all of the practice carcass. I think you're you're at like an almost two hours, like an hour and like forty five minutes when you put the two carcass plus inside the scrum, uh, all based off of you know two practices that you've done over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. So so much stuff to get into. Well, the original idea for the car cast was 15 minutes. I yeah. think I've given up and have accepted they're all going to be 30 minutes. Pretty much. Uh, yeah. So, um, no, it, it's, it's, been, it's been a good start to camp. I think that there's still a lot to prove, and it's going to be exciting once they get the pads on because then you're actually going to be able to see, well, what does the defensive line look like? What does the offensive line look like? But I will say one of the things that has been encouraging to me um, is the the performance of the defensive line. Um, I thought that uh, Hunter Eccles had a good day on Saturday. I thought that Christian Rector had a good day on Friday and Saturday. Um, it's been nice to see those guys, uh, particularly on the edges for USC, getting uh, getting pressure and making it hard for the quarterbacks because that's... Hot damn, that defense. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of the things that uh, I will want to see the quarterbacks do is is deal with pressure well well, the only way that they're going to learn how to deal with pressure is if USC's defense line consistently creates pressure. Or if they, uh... You blitz! 
Oh, well, right. yeah. You could do that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, I, I've I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen from USC's edge rushers, and they are going to need to have a much bigger impact this year. Uh, just going forward, it's hard though because these are they're rushing. They're not in pads. They're not doing full contact or anything like that. So we'll see how those battles progress. But it's it's been encouraging on that front. Yeah, it, it will uh, start to get clearer. I think once they get into pads. And once the uh, offenses had time to come around uh, and really install the rest of that offense again, you, you'll be able to really get some more clearer observations, which is why you should subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash men of Troy for all of that post-practice content. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch of questions in the mailbag. Let's get to those and we'll be right back. You've got mail. All right, let's open up the mailbag with a review we got on Apple Podcasts. It's three stars from Grumpy Oso. I really love the podcast and I love the interaction between the hosts, but it is a brag to hear one of the hosts is too busy to host the podcast because they are in a hurry to do an activity on the weekend. Most of us work every day and sometime on the weekend. So in my opinion, I really don't need to hear that on the podcast. Three stars. Yeah, I think thanks for the review, Grumpy Oso. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know how to respond to this, just because one of the things that I, I think this is referring to me. Um, one of the things that I try to do on this podcast is give you guys all a flavor of who I am, and who I am is somebody who, you know, occasionally does things on the weekend. So, like, I, I try not to leave out the things that are going on. I talk about going to the pub to watch Liverpool. I talk about you know, when I'm watching a TV show or, or when I'm going on a backpacking trip. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, respectfully, I think that I, I've never shortchanged a podcast uh, for the sake of those things. Even if I've mentioned that I need to get going, uh, I have a bad habit of doing 30-minute podcasts when I really should be doing 15. So, um, you know, I hope that doesn't uh, detract from from any of our shows. But I also just think that's that's a function of you know who I am. I, I don't think I'm trying to brag about what I'm doing on the weekends. Trust me, I work eight days a week, guys. Like my boyfriend can can. There's there's only seven. Yeah, my boyfriend can vouch for how much I work and how much I should be working or versus not working. Um, there are people in my life who genuinely think I'm a workaholic. Uh, I I don't think I am, but uh, it's it's not for you know it's it's not to like show off that like oh yeah I'm I'm I got all this free time on my hands I don't maybe that's why I mention when I have a hike coming up because that's literally the only hours of of the week that I'm able to uh, carve out for myself so that's yeah that's uh, you know that's... the good stuff is, I mean the good part of this is there is no free time from now until like none. February none. Now until the second signing day. Yeah. There, there's no free Pretty time. much. But I will say, like, I'm glad that I'm glad that Grumpy also likes the podcast. Like, I, I think that that's what we want you guys all to, to like the podcast. But, you know, we're, we're also not perfect and we're not, you know, robots that only sit here and podcast ever. Yeah. Uh, you can always leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, five stars really helps us grow the show. Uh, let us know how the podcast is for you, uh, and that will help us out. Uh, let's get into this mailbag and start with an email uh, we got from Ed in the Bay Area titled, Congratulations, you did it. Michael, I finally get to tell you 
You are not wrong. I completely agree. 9 a.m. games are the worst idea ever. On another note, I wanted to weigh in on Larry Scott answering to the University of Presidents. I will say you and Alicia are a bit off when it comes to him representing the presidents like the NFL commissioner is the voice box of the owners. The NFL owners are way more invested in their teams or any pro sport for that matter. Other than USC, you probably cannot name more than one university president. However, you know Jerry Jones, you know Mark Cuban, you know Mark Davis, you know the Kraft family. Secondly, for the Pac-12 universities, they are not a priority. Everything I have heard from Pac-12 presidents shows they are completely clueless to what is going on in the sports world. However, look at the power of the athletic directors and coaches in other conferences. Could Larry Scott do what he does in the SEC? Hell no. Saban, Jimbo Fisher, Ed Ogeron, etc. would roast him alive. Just thought I'd pop up. Love the podcast as always. Keep it coming. Fight on ed in the bay area thanks for the email as always ed uh this is a great email i thought it was something i can you know pretty much agree with throughout i, I think that one of the things i want to clarify in the dynamic of larry scott and the presidents is that yeah if the the presidents are not necessarily knowledgeable on all this stuff and i think that them not being knowledgeable is why they're okay with so much of this uh, especially comparing it to what happened before the, the the schools are making hands over fists compared to what they made a decade ago. Now, that is not as much as the SEC or the Big Ten is making, which is where the disparity that fans have. But for these universities, they're not comparing themselves to the SEC or the Big Ten. They're comparing themselves to what they know. And what they know is what happened 10 years ago. And what happened 10 years ago was them making pennies compared to what they're making now. And so I think that because of that, it's so easy for someone who's not overly invested to be like, we make a lot of money now compared to then. So Larry's doing a great job and we're just going to keep going with it. Right. So I think that because of that, it's super easy to fall back on the, the idea of, well, we're Ivy league West and we're all about the, the other, the other, you know, sports and all this stuff because we're we're validating that by we're making more money compared to 10, 15, 20 years ago, which like they're not wrong. All these schools that we've talked about before that the, the coaches are making more money. There's better coaches, better facilities. All that stuff comes from the TV deal. The problem is the comparison to other conferences. That's the disparity because the SEC is also making more money and they're making more money on top of that. Well, because they're the ones that are thriving in the revenue sports. And I think the right. pack, one of the Pac-12's problems, which isn't necessarily a problem, but it is if you look at it through the lens of the revenue sports like we do, is that the Pac-12 is kind of elitist in that they do consider themselves Ivy League West. They do consider themselves all around academic institutions. They do consider themselves – like they do take pride in the most national uh, – NCAA national titles uh, across all sports thing – so that's kind of where their focus clearly is. And I just think that if you want to be at the pinnacle of your sport, of your revenue sports, that's not the approach that you can't be as fair as the Pac-12 is. Now, this is this is where you get into the, the dynamic of like, would you rather be 
fair and and share all your revenue among all Pac-12 schools and Oregon State gets the same piece of the pie that USC gets and all that kind of stuff, which is admirable. Or Well, everything the Pac-12 does is admirable. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, like, the Pac-12 aims to be admirable, but yes. admirable, you know, nice guys finish last is essentially what the Pac-12 is, right. is, a, is a study in nice guys finish last. Yeah, that's, that's a really good way uh, of putting it. Uh, yeah, thanks for the email as always, Ed. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Constitutionalist Steve, who says, how's Pittman looking? Very, very, very good. Uh, he He's exactly... Uh, what he looked like in the spring, which was like, he looks like an All-American, so. Yeah, we, we got a voicemail from uh, Larry David about this. Uh, th- this is about Michael Pittman. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Yeah. I think that sums it up. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Ron Green. How impressed are you with the new assistant coaches? So I, I've said this before that... Um, Greg Burns does a lot of his work right in front of the media pens. We get to see a lot of him, and I've been impressed with him going back to spring camp. I I like the way he engages with the players. One of the things that I really liked um, also is, you know, you get to see how Chris Hawkins engages with the players, and Chris Hawkins being there to be able to give someone like Isaac Taylor Stewart one-on-one advice and one-on-one instruction while Greg Burns is working with the the greater DB group, um, being able to split the groups up into safeties and and um and corners and all of that kind of stuff. I think it really works to USC's benefit. I wish I could say I've seen more of Mike Jinx, but haven't because they're so far across the field. And uh and the rest of them it's just hard to get a look at all of them, like Joe DeForest and the like. But from what we've seen so far, uh no complaints. That's always a good thing I would say. Let's go to a tweet from Daniel Mercado. Uh what score did the scrimmages have to be for fans to be happy. Uh, if the offense scores too much, our defense sucks. If it's low scoring, our offense sucks. Ha, huh? I hate the fans laughing, crying emoji. Yeah, okay. So my first answer to this is um, I don't think the scrimmages will have any scores at all. They generally don't have scoring or the scoring that they do is sort of weirdly, weirdly designed. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to work. But in terms of like performances go, yeah, it, it, no matter what, um, you're going to have people who are questioning things. I think the best thing for USC would to have a, a big offensive explosion because then people will get excited about the air raid. Right. Whereas if like the if the big fall scrimmage that they're going to hold at the Coliseum, if it's uh, uh, the defense smothers the offense, then people aren't going to be super confident going into that rough patch in uh, in September looking at a new offense. You want to see that hit the ground running uh, where you feel like your defense maybe you'd be better off being Big 12 bad, as we've talked about. Well, I, I think you want the offense to look good because you want people to buy into that. But I think at the same point, you want big plays from your defense. Uh, so if JT looks really good and carves up the defense, but the defense still makes a couple of big plays and, you know, picks off a couple of passes or has a pick six or does a strip sack or something like that, I think you can look at that and be like, wow, the, this defense is opportunistic. Uh, and the offense has come around, uh, but there's always going to be that. Is the offense good and the defense is bad? Is the defense good and the offense is bad? Like that thing's always going to be there um, and something that we won't necessarily be able to fully dissect until you get to game week. Yeah, and that's that's my constant struggle. My daily struggle is trying to 
to balance uh, both of those considerations uh, anytime you see somebody Did you doing say well. balance on this podcast? I did just say balance on this podcast. Yeah, we might have to put an explicit tag for that. Yeah. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Lee Walker. When is SC leaving the Pac-12 with three question marks? They don't need to be in this conference. Uh, I think I've mentioned this multiple times. I think the whole independence thing is completely a grass is greener thing. Um, I think it's really easy to point to Notre Dame's contract. I don't think that Notre Dame Notre Dame situation is remotely feasible for USC. And Notre Dame has essentially paired itself with the 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 ACC, uh, the ACC right? In order to have the benefits of conference affiliation, they're just a big enough brand to and have and not. who's going to do that for USC? No, nobody. The Pac-12 is. You're not going to leave the Pac-12, and then the Pac-11 is going to be like, oh, but it's okay. You'll be able to reap all the benefits with us without you know being a ma- major member. That doesn't happen. Yeah. That, if it, if you, it was, you, you don't divorce your wife, and then you know still have uh, you know relations with you, with <laughs> with your ex-wife. Like it doesn't happen like that. If if going independent was an actually viable. Uh, and, and and favorable scenario for a school of USC's caliber, then Texas would have done it already. I I think that's a good point because Texas, given how a- frustrated they were with the Big Twelve, and yes, not only they were they frustrated the same way that USC fans are frustrated with the Pac twelve, but they had the wherewithal and the leverage to make things happen on their end. Yeah, the Pac twelve doesn't. I mean, and USC doesn't have the 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 pull the 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 pull or the the interest to make that pool happen yeah. um, to do the same thing for the Pac-12. Texas would, and Texas hasn't, which tells you how not viable going independent I it, is. I think that's a really good point. I think the other thing to mention is SC can't schedule the two games that they have to schedule a year. Yeah. You want them to schedule 12 games on their own? Yeah. If you're mad about USC playing UC Davis, then yeah, you can't really talk about independence. Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to play an FCS team every year. Uh, and then what's going to happen is they're going to struggle to to fill their, their full slate. And then there might be a year where they play two FCS teams because they, they took too long to schedule somebody. It would be a nightmare to see this administration, you know, be able to, to pull it off and schedule in everybody. Uh, BYU struggles in it. Um, and... Like look at November's schedule for BYU every year. It's it's brutal. Yeah. Um. You don't you don't want that. And I don't know. It, Notre it works for Notre Dame. Notre Dame has the history it of doing it. I don't think it works for Notre work. Dame because they aren't they weren't in a conference that they left. Yes. Yeah. That's a good point. But let's move on and go to a tweet from Marcus. Bottom line: with all of your knowledge of the situation, what's it going to take to get rid of Coach Clay Helton? How many losses this season? That is the eternal question, isn't it? I feel like we're going to answer that question every day for the rest of the year, uh, every podcast for the rest of the year. I think that uh, if USC goes six and six, then it's probably lights out for Clay Hilton. Um, I think there is a scenario where USC goes seven and five and still is able to, uh, Hilton's able to hold on to his job, but it would take the five losses being pretty close, USC being in competition for the Pac-12 South or winning the Pac-12 South, uh, uh, you know, un- un- an unlikely Pac-12 South win, but still one nonetheless. 
But I think so if I'm saying like a minimum, like a maximum number of of uh, I guess a minimum number of losses that Helton could would probably get axed. I think six and six has got to be the threshold. I don't know that there's a set number because I think part of it goes on eye test. Uh, I think SC can be 10 and two and look like they haven't fixed anything. And I think they can look eight and four and look damn good. Uh, I know that 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 doesn't make any sense, but USC doesn't make any sense. Nope. So I, I, I don't think there's a set number. I don't think there's a way to put it. Also, the set number changes on how it happens, when it happens, uh, if SC goes 8-0 and then loses the last four games embarrassingly, uh, he's going to get fired. Uh, if SC starts out 2-2, uh, two and two, rallies, and he hangs on by a slim th- slim margin and goes 9-3, and three, then 9-3 and three could save him. Like, I don't know that there's a number. I don't think there's going to be a number. I don't think we'll know until it happens. So I, I know that's frustrating. I know people want a hard thing i was just talking to my dad the other day he's like if they lose too early in the season you have to fire him I'm like i don't think that that necessarily is true because it depends on what two games those are if sc loses to uh byu and utah in back-to-back weeks but impressively beat stanford and washington the week before and after those two games how do you fire him? If you get blown out by Fresno State and Stanford, then yeah, sure, we can talk about for, for just, sure, yeah. just two two losses meaning an axe. But, but no, it, it's it all, depends it's, on how it happens. Context. Yeah. Everything is context. One hundred percent. Marcus's second question, by the way, is also favorite deli meat sandwich. Please give additional uh, types of bread and accoutrements. I can't say that word. Acc- accoutrements. Accoutrements. Yeah. I've never heard of that word. It's. Uh, I think it's. It, does that make me uncultured? I I've heard of it. I don't know entirely exactly. I know that it's like, like, I think of it as like not condiments, but like things that you add on the top of it. Okay. Additional items of dress or equipment or other items carried or worn by a person or used for a particular activity. So yeah, like putting um, relish. Well, I guess it was relish a condiment. Maybe it's like. Um, like bell peppers on a, uh, or you know that kind of thing. I, I don't know I, onions. Either adding, way, grilled I, I, onions. It's so it's it's how do you, how do you want it? I will just go with that. Well, okay. So here's my question: Is a French dip does that count as a deli sandwich or not? Uh, well, I think we have an answer for this. Size doesn't necessarily matter if you want it hard enough. I, I don't know what that has to do with anything. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just want to play. You're it. just pigeonholing that one in. Um, no, because like, give me a roast beef sandwich or a, a French dip, something like that. Okay, so I am a meatball sub person. Some that, people wouldn't call that a deli. Is sandwich. that a deli sandwich? Yeah, I, think I don't deli know. Deli sandwiches is like. That's why I asked about French dip because like I associate them with like cold cuts and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, if I'm going to get a sandwich uh, at a deli and it's going to be a cold cut sandwich and then I want turkey. But outside of that, I just... I love roast beef. So. Outside of that, I want a hot sandwich. I want... Yeah, I love hot. I much prefer hot sandwiches. Give me a Philly cheesesteak. Give me a meatball sub, um, a French dip, some, something like that, right? And this leads us to a question... Um, or at least to a tweet that, that went viral over the weekend. Important sandwich data. These are the most popular sandwiches in America. Uh, to what extent do you like or dislike each of the following sandwiches? Percent, uh, percent of who say they really like or somewhat like the following sandwiches. The num- most liked sandwich in America 
is grilled cheese at 79%. Makes sense to me. That's safe. Like, safe. who doesn't like a grilled cheese? Right. Communists. And yes. Terrorists. Yes. Uh, grilled cheese, I mean, grilled chicken, sorry, was, was number two at 75%. And there's turkey, roast beef, ham. Those are all uh, 69% or better along with BLT. That's the nice region, I would say. Um, and then you 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 got club, bacon, PB&J at 66%, pulled pork 65%. I think that's... What's up with the 35% that don't like a pulled pork sandwich? Yeah, these are crazy people. Yeah. So my biggest takeaway for this thing is egg salad is at 58% like, meatball is at 56 I love egg salad too. But this is egg salad utterly is not, insane. I've never had a bad meatball sandwich. Like I've had like meatball sandwiches that weren't great, but they were still way more edible than the than, than like a mediocre egg. Like egg salad is either really good or un- the inedible. bad meatball sandwiches I've had are ones that are too fancy. Where they have too much stuff in them. When they have too much stuff in them. Like like they put fennel or some garbage in there, right? Like ones that that try to do too much. Meatball subs are the pizza of sandwiches where you just can't go wrong with them. You can't go wrong with them. You You can overdo it to the point you're like, why did you overthink this? But I don't necessarily think you can go wrong with it for sure. Um, Also, what's your take on Subway? Uh, I think I've only been to a subway with you once. I'm I'm curious your thoughts. Thumbs up. I mean, because I I heard someone recently say that I I can't remember who told me this that the only thing that uh, you can only get cold cuts at Subway because you you, like you would never want to get their um what only get cold cuts or tuna at Subway never get. Something like chicken or meatball. And to me, that's, that's freaking backwards. No, you can't go... Like, I rarely leave Subway without a meatball sandwich. Like, because like, you can't yeah. go wrong with a meatball. Like, the, their you're, meatball you're is, getting a meatball. Like, their the, meatball is fantastic. Yeah. It's it, good. It, it's, you're getting... You know exactly what you're getting, and it's going to yes. be pretty pretty good, worth the money. I can understand not wanting their grilled chicken. I like their chicken teriyaki club. Uh-huh. Like, that's the, their, the, the sweet onion sauce that they put on. The sweet onion chicken teriyaki. Yeah. No. Yeah, whatever it is, the sweet onion, whatever the one that they put the sweet onions but dressing on, that's I, great. But I don't understand the idea of people being like th- their tuna, like is something that's edible to me. Yeah, tuna, no. I don't, I don't like tuna, but even if I did, I would avoid their tuna like the plague. Yeah, I would never. It's been sitting out there all day. Yeah, it's like brown looking. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. No, I would never get tuna from from a fast food or no. establishment of any kind. I don't even like fish sandwiches from a from a. Like yeah. fillet of fish, I like fillet of fish, but like to order a fillet of fish, I it needs to be like you know buy one get one free or something. Never can it tells you how much I value how my cheapness values things. Yeah, <laughs> I I yeah the you don't get fish fast food of any sort that includes tuna and Subway. But anyways, that's gonna wrap up the episode. Uh, a little bit shorter. Um, but it's only two days of practice that we discussed there. Uh, so much more later on this week over on Patreon, patreon.com slash reign of Troy. Join now. You get all of our bonus episodes for just five fifty-five a month and you get the whole back catalog, everything there. Go listen to all of our evergreen stuff from all of the off season, all of last year's off season, all the Rotbot's choice episodes, all the takes with Jake. Uh, we made this week's Take With Jake free on Sunday. Go listen to that. Um, if you dig it, 
uh, you'll find more over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Troy. Yep, good stuff on there. Uh, throwback Thursdays, call cut commits, yep. uh, look backs at random seasons, all, all superstitions, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's tons and tons and tons of things that you can enjoy that's not just the daily content that we're basically going to be putting out through August. Yep, 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 everything she just said. So uh, until then, that'll wrap it up for us. As always, follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Give us your emails, reignoftroy at fanside.com for any questions, comments, uh, ad inquiries, anything you want to get in touch with us for at reignoftroy at fanside.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, What's Bruin Show. You almost forgot that. I, uh, well, I just got a text message from my mother, so to be fair, I was looking right. at that. Fair enough. Uh, until then, we'll, we will see you later because we just got a text from mom. <laughs> see ya. See ya. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.